Hello and welcome to the Global Trading Podcast. I'm Shani Bazaar, Senior Writer at Markets Media. Global Trading is a Markets Media Group editorial platform. Today, we're talking about BMP Paribas Security Services' move into digital assets, how the firm has expanded its capabilities in digital assets, how they're changing the business of sell-side firms, and why they're important to institutional buy-side clients. I'm pleased to be joined on this podcast by two digital assets experts from BMP Paribas Security Services. First, we have Natasha Desert, Paris-based blockchain and digital assets program manager for BMP Paribas Security Services. And we also have from Hong Kong, Amat Mehta, sales director and digital assets lead for BMP Paribas Security Services in Asia Pacific. So let's jump straight in with the questions. First, let's set a definition. How would you define digital assets in the context of institutional capital markets? So Natasha, what exactly are we talking about here? Hello, Shani. Thank you very much for having me in this podcast. Well, to answer your question, I would define them as a new emerging asset class, including assets having the same characteristics as traditional financial assets, like security tokens, and also completely new kinds of assets like cryptocurrencies, non-fungible tokens, or utility tokens, for example. On our side, we focus our efforts on digital assets with a clear regulatory framework, allowing us to provide services to our clients with the requisite level of safety and protection. I.e., more specifically, we focus on security tokens, central bank digital currencies, and some forms of stable coins. We can also say that compared to traditional assets, digital assets have uh, intrinsic characteristics like uh, programmability features, uh, smart contracts, ownership and uh, data recorded on a decentralized uh, digital ledger shared by counterparts instead of on several uh, private ledgers maintained by various intermediaries, which we see as great opportunities to bring efficiencies and reshape existing models and services. Great. Well, thanks, uh, Natasha. You've covered quite a lot there. So what would you say is the current landscape for digital assets and how has it evolved? Well, in recent years, the overall landscape has matured and uh, broadened beyond cryptocurrencies and the underlying technologies of cryptocurrencies to include other assets like security tokens, which have a closer alignment to institutional investment mandates and uh, fiduciary obligation. The global digital asset ecosystem reached $2.1 trillion as of Q4 2021, which is higher than the gross domestic product of Italy or Canada. On our side, we observe a growing interest and participation from institutional clients, mainly from asset owners and asset managers, to invest in digital assets and to integrate them into their portfolios and uh, also from corporates regarding tokenization. These players are are now moving from proof of concepts to live experimentations with increasing complexity in order to confirm the expected benefits and to prepare the organizations for the future. However, various challenges remain and still constrain the development of the digital asset market. Regulation is one of them. Although regulators are now intensely focused on digital assets, with some clarity and integration expected in the coming years through MICA, the markets in crypto assets regulation, aiming at providing uh, harmonized rules in Europe, 
at the moment, the legal framework for digital assets is still unclear and uh, quite fragmented across the EU. Also, the current lack of technological standards of interoperability between the various blockchains and the absence of a widely adopted and recognized means of payment and settlement on chain are also still significant barriers to broader adoption of uh, digital assets. Maybe, Aman, uh, you would like to, to share your view uh, regarding um, Asia-Pacific? Thank you, Natasha, and thank you to Global Trading for having me here. I think the starting point in Asia-Pacific is very different compared to the US or Europe because it's far more fragmented. And this fragmented landscape is really creating a race between the different markets to position themselves as the leader in digital assets and distributed te ledger technology. The race very much coincides with Asia's AUM setting to grow faster than any other region globally with a total compound annual growth rate of about 8.7%. In terms of individual markets, Australia really led the way a few years ago by announcing the replacement of the legacy market infrastructure known as Chess with a complete DLT solution. This was really groundbreaking at the time. However, the project has since been delayed on a few occasions. More recently, they announced that they were going to be the first market in Asia Pacific to list crypto ETFs. Singapore is also pushing the boundaries. We've seen digital exchanges being launched by some of the domestic banks. We're seeing lots of investment from the Monetary Authority of Singapore, largely into different types of projects and fintechs, uh, deploying DLT in areas such as tokenization. China is also breaking ground. They successfully piloted their digital currency and now issued a white paper to bring the digital currency into full operation. In Hong Kong, we're seeing HKX launch Synapse, which incorporates smart contract technology, which is due to go live later this year. But overall, where I think Asia Pacific can really make a, a strong stride forward and make a difference is by having stronger governance and harmonized regulatory environment. Great. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for that overview, which is very comprehensive. So BNP Paribas Security Services has been working in digital assets for quite some time now. And although you haven't talked about it much, maybe you could give us a bit more information and tell us about the progress that you've made. Indeed, there's been a, a lot of progress on our side in uh, recent years. At BNP Paribas Security Services, we started investigating blockchain and digital assets a number of years ago. First, with proof of concept to explore various use cases and start our learning curve. All these experimentations gave us the opportunity to gain a practical expertise and knowledge of the impacts, benefits and risks to master the technology and also to engage all areas of our organization, IT, operations, legal, compliance, and risk. This allowed us to adapt our control procedures and processes and to build up solid foundations and capabilities to extend our services to cover digital assets. Also, we prepare ourselves in close collaboration with our clients, counterparts, market authorities, and regulators. And uh, we are now in a position to offer services on digital assets, acting, for example, as depository for funds investing in digital assets and uh, being able as a transfer agent to manage blockchain orders in the same way as orders coming from any distribution channel with a consolidated service for our clients. We are also building our custody solutions for digital assets 
including the management of private keys, with Germany being our pilot country for this initiative, which uh, we intend to, to extend globally in later phases. We are very much involved in many initiatives around cash on chain as well, with central bank digital currency programs with the central banks and an initiative on commercial bank digital currency, whereby we built a consortium with other market players and uh, technical providers to create a euro stable coin. For me, it's very clear. We are driven by our clients. At the shore, we see an increase in focus on digital assets from our institutional clients across buy side and sell side. It is then our job to provide an ecosystem for our clients to easily access and hold such assets. So therefore, we are working hard with market infrastructure, exchanges, fintechs, and our clients to bridge the gap, build a platform to connect, and build strong solutions specific to the nature of digital assets. Great. I guess with any business, ultimately, it comes down to the usefulness for the client. So what would you say is the importance of digital assets as an asset class for your institutional clients? Well, there, there are a number of features in uh, digital assets that appeal to institutional clients. Mainly, blockchain and digital assets have the potential to reduce risks and uh, inefficiencies across long and complex uh, chain of intermediaries with automated and streamlined processes thanks to smart contracts, with real-time visibility and uh, enhanced reporting thanks to sharing of uh, golden data. Plus, they represent an opportunity to reduce uh, costs. And also having the data, for example, ESG data, pricing information, corporate action information, embedded directly in the asset itself, gives great new capabilities and opportunities for innovative uh, services and models. I'd say in Asia-Pacific, we've particularly seen clients within the alternative segment show lots of interest. I'd say more traditional buy-side and sell-side clients are proceeding with caution until they have a clear regulatory environment. Great. So I can see how useful digital asset could be to your clients. So maybe you could explain as well how, how they're changing the business of BNP Paribas Security Services. Sure. I'd say the starting point is to understand digital assets as simply a new asset class, which means it's our job to ensure that we extend the current list of services and solutions to cover this new asset class where relevant. To go one step further, I referred to Natasha's comments earlier regarding the intrinsic characteristics of digital assets versus traditional assets. And this is really important. Such characteristics can be used to bring large amounts of efficiency and automation in the post-trade settlement cycle, as well as reducing risk. In the end, I believe traditional and digital assets will coexist, each bringing their own value. Our job as a securities services provider will be to connect and create interoperability between the different distributed ledgers and to build services on top of ledgers to bring even more value to our clients, whilst at the same time continuing to invest in our capabilities to support traditional assets. Great. I guess as a traditional firm, looking at a new asset class like digital assets, and how important is it to partner with smaller, specialized fintech firms? Well, we believe it's important. And actually, this is the model we have chosen, as it allows to bring our clients the best of the two worlds. Fintechs have the technological knowledge and expertise, and they allow us to connect to blockchain with agility and flexibility in a very fast-moving environment. 
Well, as a bank, we have expertise and credibility in regulation, compliance, risk management, plus the knowledge and understanding of our clients' needs and, and also their trust. These uh, strategic partnerships position us well to manage synergies and transition between traditional and digital assets, being a, a one-stop shop and a unique provider for our clients by providing them seamless consolidated services across asset classes and also uh, minimizing for them the impacts of having to handle both asset types in parallel. Thank you. I think we've touched on this slightly earlier, but what would you say are the regional differences in the adoption of digital assets, say APEC, compared with Europe and North America? The main difference I think of is that uh, in the US, the business drives regulation, whereas in Europe, regulation drives business. US players tend to be less reluctant to absorb regulatory and execution risk, while European players tend to have a conservative approach when they face an uncertain regulatory environment. For Asia-Pacific, I'd say the starting point is that it's more fragmented. So it really depends on the market, and each market is, is very different to the other. But in general, the majority of the main markets are adopting digital assets and DLT very quickly and moving very fast. In terms of client interest, we can see a clear pattern of increased interest and investment. Great. Well, that sounds very optimistic. So my final question is, what do you see as the future of digital assets? We believe definitely that digital assets will keep rising. By 2027, the World Economic Forum predicts that up to 10% of the global gross domestic product could be stored and transacted through DLT. There are two points which we see as key enablers for the wider adoption of digital assets. First, the regulatory picture will clear, providing more certainty to market participants and opening the door to their real entrance and participation in digital asset markets. Also, cash on chain capabilities will appear, either central bank digital currencies, stable coins, or maybe alternative solutions linked with uh, traditional payment systems. However, it, it will still take time for the market to develop and uh, reach maturity. Digital assets should provide many advantages and benefits over the longer term, but they will increase complexity for the near term as uh, traditional and digital assets will coexist for an extended uh, time frame, meaning that banks will need to manage both asset, times, asset types in parallel for an extended uh, transition period. So timing and nature of uh, wider disruption are not clear, but we definitely believe that digital assets should build up over next years, creating great opportunities for financial innovation and uh, new reshaped business models over the longer term. Thank you very much, both of you. This has been a really informative discussion about digital assets in institutional capital markets. I want to thank our two guests, Natasha Desert and Aman Mehta of BMP Paribas Security Services. Thank you, Natasha and Aman. Thank you very much, Sunny, for, for having me here today. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to be here today. You can find the Global Trading Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's also on the Global Trading website, which is fixglobal.com. I'm Shani Bazaar, Senior Writer at Markets Media. Thank you for tuning in.